0: Hello, baby! This activity is truly unproductive. Come up to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about entertainment when I was younger. Now not cartoons and movies, but when you're in your late teens, your early 20s, even up to your early 30s, you're always looking for something to do. And when I was that age, there was plenty to do. This came up in a conversation with GamerDude Daughter this past week, and I realized things like the clubs that I used to go to, and the comedy venues that I used to go to, they just don't really exist anymore. And it's kind of sad. Young adults in their 20s and early 30s who want to go out and mingle and have fun and have a relaxed time and have a fun time and have an exciting time. They don't have the outlets that I did. And that's kind of sad. So I wanted to talk about that today. There were basically two clubs that you went to when I was in my late teens and my early 20s. Broadly stated, there was either the comedy club or the music club. Now, you could break down the music club. There were places you could go to listen to music, and there was places you could go to go dancing. And I'll talk about those in a couple of minutes. But they were all options on the table, depending on what your tastes were, and depending on what group you were hanging out with, and who your friends were, and what they wanted to do, and what everybody was in the mood for. Now, I'm going to start with comedy clubs, because comedy clubs were huge, at least in the tri-state area where I grew up, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Now, I don't know exactly why comedy clubs became huge, I shouldn't say just comedy clubs. A lot of times these comedy clubs took over a nightclub, a dance club, for instance. But on Thursday nights or Friday nights or Saturday nights, they would devote it to comedy. But there also were some straight comedy clubs. That's all they did. They were only open on the weekends, and they do comedy shows on the weekends. And let me tell you, there were a lot of comedians going around and making the rounds of these clubs. Honing their craft, practicing their technique, getting good at being comedians. And the list of comedians who started in the late 70s and the early 80s, it's huge. And you're going to recognize a lot of the names. I'm obviously not going to go through all of them, because there were literally hundreds But the big names from these days, who are in movies, who are in TV shows, they started out as stand-up comedians 30 or 40 years ago. Eddie Murphy was a stand-up. Robin Williams, David Letterman, Jerry Seinfeld, they were all stand-up comedians. Some of the other big names from back then, Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison was big, you may not even remember Sam, Sam died many years ago. But back in the 80s, Sam was huge. Bobcat Goldthwait, he did stand-up. And they would go around to these various comedy clubs and they would do their sets. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever their set was that particular night. And there were big comedy clubs in New York City, the Comedy Cellar. I know there's more. I can't remember them off the top of my head. But New York City was obviously a big destination because, you know, you had big crowds. But before you got to New York City, you had to play the lesser circuit. You had to play the smaller clubs. I remember one place in New Jersey called Club Binet that was in South Amboy. Club Binet was like a stepping stone into New York City. I think that would be considered a medium-sized club. But what would happen is a lot of the local bars would have a comedy night. Now, I'm not talking a big auditorium. I'm talking like your local dive bar. Kelsey's Pub down to the corner would have comedy night on Tuesdays. The place might seat 20 people. But they'd have an open mic night, or they'd have a comedy night, or both. And they'd book some of the young comedians in there to give them a break and to bring people in. And people would go. I remember many times going to these little comedy nights at the local clubs, and usually you'd have a really good time. You'd have really funny people showing up, testing out their act from the beginning, testing out new material. The one really famous comedian that I remember seeing at a local club here in New Jersey was Carol Liefer. Now, Carol Liefer has been very successful in Hollywood for many, many years, but I remember her starting out as a stand-up, and I remember her being hysterically funny. She was really good. She kind of graduated from doing stand-up to doing more writing and producing. She was a writer on SNL. She was on The Ellen Show. She wrote for Modern Family. She wrote for Devious Maids. If you look her up, she's got an IMDB listing as long as my arm. But I remember when she started out, and she was really funny. I actually got to say hi to her, because what would happen is the comedian would do their set, then they'd go over to the bar and grab a drink. And I just went up to her and I said, You were really funny. That was really good stuff. I remember she thanked me. And that was it. That was the end of the interaction. As I've talked about previously, I'm not really good with famous people. I don't really want to be that guy who's really super annoying. Hi, can I have your autograph? Oh, I think you're absolutely wonderful. I'm just like, you are really good. Really enjoyed the show. I mean, what more can you say? But I remember seeing Carol Liefer. There was another guy who did local shows, Rob Bartlett. Now, Rob was big locally. He actually did work on the Imus in the Morning radio program. He was a regular on that program, but he did stand up all over the New York area. And he's one of the few guys I actually went into New York City to go watch. And Rob was really funny. He had some good material and he just made me laugh. Now, I haven't seen any of Rob's material in ages. I'm wondering how well it aged. I don't even know what happened to Rob Bartlett. As I was preparing today's episode, I was trying to remember if I'd seen anybody else super famous these days or whose name you'd recognize. And I really can't remember anybody else but those two. I know I went to dozens of comedy shows, and they were always at clubs called Bananas, or Funny Bones, or Giggles. I know I went to several clubs like that. And every time you went into a club, you'd grab a table, you'd get a beer. A lot of places would have a two-drink minimum, just to make sure you bought some stuff. And you'd watch two hours or so of comedians doing their stuff. And it was a great night out. And I know I saw dozens of comedians, I just don't remember. Nobody really stood out, but it was a great time. It was a fun night out. There are still comedy clubs out there. I know you can still go see comedians live, but back in the 80s and the early 90s, it was like every little town had at least one comedy night in their local bar, and you'd always have people show up, both to watch and to perform. But you don't see comedy nights anymore, not the little clubs. You don't even see the little clubs anymore. Those little clubs, those little bars, they don't exist the way they used to. And that leads me into the dance portion of our program today. Because those little clubs where you would have comedy night, the rest of the week, Kelsey's Bar or the White House Station Pub or whatever your local watering hole was called, they would have either a live band or a DJ. And you could go there and dance. Or if it wasn't dance night, you could go listen to the live band. And that was another fun night out. Obviously very different from comedy night. But I remember when I discovered the live music experience. I was in college. There was a Holiday Inn across the highway from where our university was. And back in those days, every little travel motel, every Holiday Inn, every Howard Johnson's, every Roadway Inn, had a little bar. That bar might seat 20 people. And a lot of those bars in these travel motels, they would have a little stage in the corner. And you could fit two or three people up there, room for guitars and amps. And on weekends, they would have live music. They'd also have live music oftentimes during the week because you had to entertain the travelers. Live music was a thing. Local guitar player, local piano player, local jazz ensemble. They'd all show up there and play for a few hours at the bar. You know Billy Joel's song, The Piano Man? That's based on his start. These little bars would have a piano there, and they'd hire a guy to come in and play music. You know, sometimes it was just musical interludes, but sometimes you'd have singer-songwriters in there. And of course, it wasn't always Billy Joel. You'd have Frank Kamansky, who was a welder during the day, but he had piano lessons as a kid and he liked to play music. So he'd go down to Kelsey's Bar or the Holiday Inn, where the bar was always called something like Pirate's Cove, and he'd set up for a couple hours on a Friday night or even a Tuesday night and play. He'd do some original stuff, but he'd do cover versions of whatever. He might do a cover of Moon River or Love is a Many Splendored Thing or whatever the big hit was that he knew and grew up with and could play on the piano. And the live music was the entertainment. They didn't have a jukebox. They didn't have a DJ. They had a guy playing the piano. If it wasn't a guy on a piano, it would be a guy with a guitar or a duo with a guitar. I met a duo who were really, really good when I would go to the bar in college and they played music together and made really good music together and they just drew in crowds. This bar at the Holiday Inn, the Pirate's Cove, that seat maybe 20 or 30 people, would be standing room only when these guys showed up and played. And they were really good. But the point is, I met them at the Pirate's Cove bar at the Holiday Inn. Because that was what happened. You'd go to the bar and that would be your Saturday night entertainment. And this was true everywhere that I ever lived. Whether it was in Ohio or New Jersey or wherever. You can always find a place to go to listen to live music. You can still get that a little bit these days, but it's usually at something like a boardwalk restaurant at the Jersey Shore or at the bars along the beaches in South Carolina or Florida. You'll always have that guy on a guitar covering Jimmy Buffett or Kenny Chesney. You can still find those guys, but they're fewer and farther between than they used to be. Just like comedy clubs, live music venues were everywhere. And so if you wanted a low-key night out, You know, you wanted to take a date someplace after a quiet dinner. You'd go to the Pirate's Cove down at the Holiday Inn. You'd grab a table in the back, order a couple of drinks, sit back and enjoy the music and have a pleasant night with someone you wanted to spend time with. It was a great time. Now, those were the live music venues. The other kind of clubs that we had were the dance clubs. Now, we still have dance clubs these days, although it's different. I mean, dance clubs have always been around. If you look at some of the old movies or the old TV shows, people would go out dining and dancing all of the time. That was a night out. You would go out to dinner, and the club you were at, or the restaurant you were at, would have a dance floor and a live band. So dance clubs have always been around. They've just evolved over time. The big factor in the evolution of those dance clubs was disco music and the movie Saturday Night Fever. That came out in 1977, and that's when Disco Fever literally was taking over. I mean, they had dance clubs in the 60s, and they were evolving thanks to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and you had all those weird dances that the parents from the 40s and the 50s would be scratching their heads about. What are these kids doing? But then in the 70s, Disco came around, and then the nightclub that they featured in Saturday Night Fever, with the flashing lights and the lit-up floor and the disco beat and the disco dances, that was a whole new thing. And so dance clubs started popping up all over. And just like the comedy clubs, the Pirate's Cove at the Holiday Inn would have dance night or disco night. And on that little stage in the corner where the guitar player would be on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, Friday and Saturday night, they'd have a DJ set up there. And the DJ would have their disco record collection or their danceable rock and roll music, and they would just play music all night. And even though the place only had room for 20 people to sit, they'd move those tables around, create a dance floor the size of maybe a postage stamp, and jam people in there to dance. Now, I've talked about dance in the past. When I was a kid, I hated dancing. Dancing was part of the gym class back in grade school and high school. And I've talked about it. As a fat kid, nobody wanted to dance with me. I was socially awkward, so I didn't want to dance with anybody. I didn't want to get rejected, number one. And number two, it was just super uncomfortable. I was so awkward. I hated the idea of having to dance with a girl who I had no idea how to talk to. I couldn't do it, so I hated dancing. But when I went away to college and I grew out of my fat kid stage and I dropped all that weight that I talked about, and when I grew up to be six feet tall, I became a little less socially awkward and I started going to these clubs with friends and discovering, you know, I know how to move with music. And I'm looking around and these people, they're not really doing disco dance steps. They're just moving with the music. And as it happens, I met a girl who liked to dance, and I realized if I wanted to spend time with her, if we were going to go out, and I wanted to get close to her, it might be a good idea if I went out on the dance floor and moved around with the beat. So in my early 20s, I actually ventured out onto the dance floor, and I discovered it's kind of fun. In fact, when you're with somebody who you really like to be with, it's a lot of fun to be dancing. You know that phrase, dance like nobody's watching? I learned that many years ago. And that's how I dance. That's how I danced back then, and to this day, that's how I dance, because I don't care. I've discovered I love to dance. I don't do it particularly well. Gene Kelly would be laughing at me if he saw me, but I'm having fun when I'm out there. And I'm glad I discovered, back in my 20s, that it's a fun thing to do. And that was one of the cool things that we did when we were in our 20s and our early 30s. We would go to these dance clubs, and they were everywhere. Yeah, of course you'd have the Pirate's Cove Bar at the local Holiday Inn. You could jam in there, try to find room there on the potion-stamp-sized dance floor. But back in the 80s, at least in New Jersey, there were dance clubs all over the place. I remember a couple of them. I just mentioned Club Binet in the comedy context. Club Binet also had dancing. There was a place called Bumpers in Lyndhurst. That was another dance club. There's a place called Connections in Clifton. That was another dance club. That was a dance club It was like in an old factory. At least it looked like an old factory. It was some big nondescript building on the corner of the street in Clifton, New Jersey. Don't even remember where. I just remember the name. But it looked like you were walking into a factory and you walk in and all of a sudden there's a huge dance floor in there. And there's a bar in the back. A big stage where the DJ was set up. Room for probably 200 people to be dancing. There was a place up in Lake Hopatcong in New Jersey. I think it was called The Lighthouse. Literally right on the lake up there, another huge dance club. And they were open on the weekends, and all you did there was dance. Well, drink and dance. But dance was the primary purpose. And what you'd do, you'd get yourself ready to go to the dance club. You'd get ready to go out at like 9, maybe 10 o'clock. That would be when your night started. Yeah, I remember those days back when my nights started at 10. These days, my nights are starting to wind down at 10. But what the plan was back then is you'd get yourself geared up, you'd put on your best dance clothes, your best dance shoes, you'd go pick up your date or your friends, depending on how you were getting there and who you were going with, and you'd get to the club around 9.30, 10 o'clock and wander in. You'd grab a good table in the corner. You didn't really want to sit at the bar because it was always too jostly and crowded up there. If you could get there and get a good table, that was ideal. And then around 10, 10.30, the music would really start to kick in and you'd spend the next two to three hours dancing the night away. And that's what going out was like back when I was in my 20s. And there was lots of different places you could go to. Those clubs that I just mentioned, they were always at the top of the list. But even the fancy hotels, not just the Pirates Cove at Holiday Inn, but there was a place near me called the Persippany Hilton. Yes, a Hilton Hotel. But that Hilton, they didn't just have a little bar. They had like a giant ballroom with a bar attached. And they would open that whole place up on the weekends. And the Persippany Hilton was a destination if you wanted to have some really good dance music and really fun crowds. And so you could go from town to town, place to place, and dance the night away between three or four different clubs if that's what you wanted to do. If you weren't liking the music that night at Connections, or the crowd was too quiet, or you saw somebody you didn't want to see, you'd hop on the road and head up to the Persephone Hilton. And if that wasn't working, you'd go up to Lake Hopatcong. Oh yeah, you could keep yourself busy running the dance club circuit. And that was our night out on the weekend. Whether it was me and a date, or me and some friends, that's what we would do. That's how we would entertain ourselves. That's how we would keep ourselves busy. Now me personally, I was always content with the New Jersey clubs. They were fine. They were big enough for me. But I know people wanted to go into New York City and experience the club scene in New York City. And of course, New York City has so many clubs. There were so many destinations to go to to find dancing and music in New York. I never did that. I was happy on my home turf, but I knew of two big clubs in New York that people were just dying to get into. I actually had a limo run to one of them when I was driving limos. There was a place in New York, basically in Greenwich Village, called the Limelight Club. Now, the Limelight Club was huge. I call it the Limelight Club. I think it was just called the Limelight. But the Limelight opened up in the 80s in what used to be an Episcopal church. Now, if you've ever seen a church in New York City, you know they're super fancy looking and super church-like. When you pulled up in front of the limelight, you looked like you were pulling up in front of a church. It had the arched ceilings, the gothic decor, and inside the club, they would cleaned out all of the remnants of a church and installed a dance floor. They had many levels in there. They had a DJ booth in there. I never went in. I had to drive a limo run there, as I said, and so I took a group into New York pulled up in front of the limelight, let them out so they could have their night of dance, and then I just had to sit there and wait for them. That was my gig. But even sitting outside in a limo, you could hear the music beating through the walls of the church. There was people all over the place. People loved the limelight club. Now, the limelight was around for years. It was actually featured in a movie. It actually appeared in several movies. But there was a movie done about the limelight club. Because as it turns out, one of the guys who frequented the club, a guy named Michael Ailig was arrested and convicted for killing and dismembering one of his gang members. And this all happened at the Limelight Club. I don't remember all of the details. It's a little hazy. But the movie is called Party Monster. If you want to look it up, it's from the early 2000s. If you want a flavor of what the club scene was about, that's one place to start. But I think as a result of that whole thing, the Limelight closed at one point. They tried to reopen it, called it something else. Never worked. And now, basically, it's a gym. The nightclub is closed. The Limelight is now a gym. The other big club that was the place to go in New York City was Studio 54. Now, I never went there. Again, I drove by it as a limo driver. I didn't have any runs there, but I remember driving by it on Fridays and Saturday nights doing other things. And I remember the lines out the door were ridiculous. That, too, was a place that was a destination in New York if you were into dance. Studio 54 was on 54th Street, thus the name. It actually didn't start out as a nightclub. It was a movie studio and a theater back in the early 40s and 50s and 60s. I'm not going to bore you with all the tales about the corporate history of the place, but some entrepreneur bought it in the 70s and opened it up as a dance club. And of course they made it the exclusive place to go. Big names would go there. The drug scene, the sex scene was crazy. If you wanted to see famous people or be seen with famous people, that's where you would go. There's been a couple of movies about Studio 54. I never was interested in going there because it was just too over the top a place for me. It was just crazy. It was just crazy. As I said, I remember driving by and just looking at the lines of people trying to get into the place. And I know they had this really selective admission policy. You've seen those movies where they have the velvet ropes and the bouncer and the clipboard. And you'd get to the bouncer and the guy would ask your name and see if you were on the clipboard. I think that comes from Studio 54. It's one of those policies that they had to make it seem like it was more difficult to get in than it had to be. Because, you know, if they don't want you in there, that makes you want to get in there even more. I mean, I remember hearing stories about people breaking into the club, sneaking in through fire escapes, and crashing fire doors just to get in. I mean, there's no place that I need to get that badly that I'm going to break in through the fire door. But because Studio 54 was the place to be, people had to do that. Quite honestly, I'm sure I was having more fun at the Pirate's Cove at the Holiday Inn than the people were having at Studio 54. As I mentioned, I started thinking about this after talking to Gamer Dude's Daughter because this stuff doesn't exist anymore. Young adults in their early 20s and their late 20s and their early 30s, they don't really have the club scene. I mean, as I said, there's clubs out there. I know they're out there, but it's not the same. I looked it up before I was putting the episode together today. There might be a couple of dozen clubs in New Jersey that still operate. But I remember when I was younger, there was a couple of dozen clubs in my county where you could go on any given weekend. You could go between three and four bars in the same town and have different dancing and different people and different DJs and a different experience, all on the same night, all in the same town. The atmosphere was also very different when you were in these clubs. Sure, you wanted to see people and meet people, and sometimes a group of guys would go looking for a group of girls. Sometimes you'd go with a date. It all depended on how your weekend was going. But if a group of guys was looking for a group of girls, they would meet up at the dance club. Sometimes you'd dance together and have a nice night. Sometimes you wouldn't meet anybody. Sometimes you'd wind up with a hookup. Sometimes it was just, thanks for the dance, and that's the end of the night. It was a different time. The point of going was not to hook up, at least not for everybody. The point to going was to have a good time out. I remember when I was visiting my college roommate, we went to one of those Pirate Cove bars at a Holiday Inn, and it was just he and I catching up after a few years, and a couple of young ladies approached us and asked if we wanted to dance. Naturally, we said yes, and we wound up dancing with him for a couple of hours. And at the end of the night, we said, have a nice night. Thanks for the fun time. And that was it. It was just fun, which was the point. It's sad that that kind of atmosphere doesn't really exist anymore. They could just go out and socialize and mingle and have a good time and then be done for the night. I don't know why society has changed so much that that's just not a thing you can do. Not that way anymore. These days, people have to be super careful about who they're talking to. You never know who's out there. You never know what somebody's going to do to you. You never know what somebody's plans are for you. It used to be you just go out and have a nice night and then be done with it. Nowadays, you got to make sure you got a plan. And that's if you decide to go out at all. I don't really have an answer to why that is or what the solution to that is or why things changed or what can be done about it. It's just really sad that that whole social interaction that we used to have at dance clubs just doesn't exist anymore. Some of the most fun that I had was going out with a group, dance around for a couple of hours, and call it a night. I think it's a real shame that that's just not a thing anymore. funny. When Mrs. Gamerdude and I first started dating, we actually still could go out and dance. They actually had a dance night at, of all places, the local American Legion Hall. They had a DJ there, and he would play dance songs, and we'd go out and dance. It wasn't that long ago, and yet, not only is that DJ gone, but that American Legion Hall is gone too. It's a shame. There's just no dance clubs to go to anymore. Not like there used to be. I know. I sound like the old guy going, get off my lawn. Well, some things that used to exist and don't exist anymore, they're sorely missed. And a cool dance club is one of them. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for being here. As always, I appreciate your support. And I can't thank you enough for all the time you spend listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.